0: Yeah, so maybe just to give you a bit of insight or feel for for uh, my childhood years uh, in terms of just thinking about place safety and diversity, right? So I, um, my immediate family members all grew up in different pockets of the northern suburbs um, in predominantly, uh, well, areas that were predominantly sort of settlements for minorities, right? So if you know about apartheid and the Group Areas Act, the cave, the cave flats were really um, created to move people of color, minorities, out of the city center and into the outer skirts of um, what you and I know as the CBD, right? Um, and so I spent a lot of time visiting, living, and moving between, as I said, these different pockets of the northern suburbs. and. I would grow up, befriend, and um, spend a lot of my time with people of different races, um, ex- 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 besides white people. Um, and I'm a little bit fair skinned right now. Um, and but my and 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 so I, I say I, I say this because I'm a little bit lighter in my complexion, and my friends would be either slightly lighter than I was or slightly darker than I was. But we had the same accent. We spoke English and Afrikaans. Well, they spoke Afrikaans much better than I did. And and where slang was concerned, they could relate to me um, with slang, not because they were trying to relate, because our cultures were so intertwined. And if I celebrated Christmas, they spent that with me. And if you celebrated Ramadan or Eid, I was privy to what the days were, um, what kind of food you were having, I'd get my plate. And if there was a traditional wedding, you know, everybody sort of like just existed or coexisted. And so this idea of race, wasn't as overt because it it didn't really matter my my understanding about race wasn't it wasn't something i i had to speak about because it didn't matter and then um we'll get into safety after this but but i would just want to close this out then you go to school and then for me as a young girl i quickly started to realize oh i am a little bit different to my friends i don't look the same and my family members are very different as opposed to if i just sort of went to school with um as opposed to i i live next to my neighbors when i was growing up um in one area um was a muslim family and so um They all looked exactly the same, where they had the same skin tone, they had the same um, facial structure, the same hair colour, it was all the same. Um, My hair is flat on my head right now, but I always had big, um, voluminous, curly hair and my gran is german and so she's got very um i'm not saying all germans have fine hair but that's just her her texture of hair is sleek and fine and so I, i i heard through my family that you know my hair was different and difficult and that it had to be managed and then i internalized a lot of that so when i was a a young girl going to school Um, it made sense because my friends had long, um, it made sense because my friends had longer, straighter and quote, unquote, better hair than I did. And sometimes that mattered. And other times it didn't, I wasn't a vanity kid. I was like, so aloof to most things until I think puberty hits and you want to, (laughs) looking the part isn't important, but you want to blend in. And I didn't blend. So I started having a bit of a complex around why I, couldn't I just look like them? So um, so then that happens within your racial group and you realize, oh, even though we're all colored people, we're all very different and the outside world buckets us. And so then we bucket ourselves and then we realize, oh, no, no, no. Um There's a reason why there are so many mixed race people, but this concept of even being mixed race as a colored person only comes to you much later, like further down the line. So then I graduate primary school, I go to high school, I go to high school in the Winelands. And so remember I told you, I've been living in pockets in the Northern suburbs. And so I go to essentially one of the best public schools in the country, um and in Stellenbosch um it's, if you've never been to South Africa it is predominantly um white and the school that I went to was um founded by German missionaries as a place for them to um to send their daughters to school right so it's like a quick summary but it should give you a bit of a context so then so then I go to school and I don't know what I expected. I didn't do too much thinking over the summer about the fact that you know my experience might be very different. I knew that it was like a new journey, like it's obviously high school, but the social dilemma didn't come as something that I would have to assimilate to because I was well-known in my school before and I knew everyone, everybody knew me. I had a good group of friends and it was easy for me to get on with people. And my first day of school was very different. Um, I was the only person in the history of my primary school to ever attend the school outside of someone a year before me. Um, So one year, my senior. um, And she was an athlete, right? And so I was not i think i think between the two of us she was she was like the athlete star child and i've had academic promise as the the deputy principal would have uh, positioned that but so with only two sort of people from that community that school and that experience as well to go to this new school and i remember locking eyes with her on the second day of school and like not having the words to explain the anxiety that I was going through but deeply questioning and wondering if if she was if she felt the same way and we never had that conversation um but I'm sure a lot of us after after matriculating from that school had like really good obviously experiences but complicated experiences around race the simulation and, and and this diversity and inclusion thing that we were hit with after that gave us the words to express some traumatic experiences we had to internalize over time but to 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 tie this um, in really quickly so I, I move on to the second point so you go to the school it's predominantly white and there are many versions of you and your race there, and many different people who identify as black but have different ethnicities, ethnicities um nationalities and and cultures. And so there's that. And um, you're also starting to unpack and realize like you knew you were different, and then you you're realizing how different. and now it's not only about you because you quickly realize, the socio um, polarity or differences is so drastic that if you were even trying to find and establish your place in the world, even though you're in the middle of this seemingly inclusive microcosm, you realize how drastically far away you are from wealth, opportunities, like. Yeah, I'm gonna leave it at that. Um, and then, and then I start realizing how fast I'm growing in comparison to my cousins back home and the, uh, my my peers that I mentioned to you um, that I went to school with. And so, so there's that like that experiences, those experiences, and we can talk about what happens after somebody who starts traveling and gaining international experiences as both well as a student and um, an early sort of a prof- a young professional. But on the safety uh, topic, um, going back to those primary school years, I only remembered this experience um, in my adult years, in my early sort of twenties. Um, I basically from year one to five or six, when we were living, um, In the cape flats essentially like in the same uh, area of bishop levis but we weren't living in the flat we moved around a lot my parents couldn't afford um like a house and so as, as two people working in hospitality before my mom went on to really build a career for herself we were just living in um little cottages or um like renting from people and you don't question these things as a child, but you do like I started counting the amount of times we had moved by the time I was like seven, and it it blew like it you feel on a human level again. Like I don't know the context of like like poverty outside of what my reality is, but I know that like it doesn't feel like a normal thing to be moving around so much. and um. Again, like my friends aren't doing it. And so, why are we? But I'm still not questioning it. I'm just kind of going with emotions. And then I started going to school, and my routine from year one to I think year five or four, I'm not sure, um, was basically wake up before the dark, um, before light hits, like wake up in the dark, go to school, um, you know, catch the bus to go to school, get to school, do school go home after school and ring my mom as soon as I got home to confirm that I had closed the door and and locked it. And I didn't see it as paranoid or overbearing until I started getting a little bit older. And what that was, was a young mother trying to get insurance of her child's safety, of course, but because of the area that we were in, it was so extreme because the bigger picture there is that somebody doesn't is somebody's trying to cheat the possibility that her daughter will be the next news report of somebody being assaulted and or a house robbery, right? And so I was so shielded from that bigger picture. um that when as an adult, as I started unpacking my childhood, it really hit me, um, maybe not hit me, but I I just, I started to really understand how drastic of measures uh, my mom had to take to basically survive and keep me alive. And these things sound really dramatic, but um, they are. And the reason why I say this is because when I, as I said, when I was growing up, it didn't feel massively dramatic. It felt like the normal thing to do in our little world. Um, And then you move out of those circumstances and realize the realization that I just shared with you. So then um, fast forward, maybe I'm like nine, maybe like 10 or 11 years old. And we move out of um, the area that I, I just mentioned and I started vacationing at my grandma's house um, over the summer holidays with my cousin, Shane, who I spent basically all my time with um, after. We were, we were best friends and we, our, our parents, his mom and my mom were very close and the cousins just kind of grew up like that. And Shane and I were particularly close. And um, so anyway, so so we we go to, Remind me to tell you stories about me and Shane uh, and and this idea around like where if he can, I can do what you started. But um, I remember distinctly when I started becoming massively anxious about my safety again. I started reading, um, obviously before 9 and 10 years old. um, But I started reading the newspapers. um, And this one publication, one of the local publications, it felt like I only started to realize back then that a lot of it, the front page articles were, were really in your face about people dying, people being killed, people being abducted, um, little girls and 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 women being raped, and it was a repetitive news cycle. So it's a daily publication, and every day I was reading horrific stories while I was on vacation, and I just remember asking my grand like, like, is this really true? Or, like, is, is this like not is this really happening? But I suppose my question was, is this really happening in the in the same sort of frequency as this newspaper is being released? Like what is going on? Because every day I'm seeing something horrific and I don't want to leave the house anymore, and it's it's summer vacation. And then I start realizing also why it was better for me to spend like my entire vacation with Shane. At his family's house, or he spent his entire vacation at my family's house. So, wherever we were, we were together in a safe environment. And so, that's really the start of me like forgetting and remembering just safety. And before it's like life threatening things start happening to you, if it's not happening to you, it's probably happening to somebody. You're related to or you've heard about, and then and then and then you move, and your life is completely different, and the things that you were reading and worried about and confronted with or that is so in your face is just not the same anymore. My mom changed our lives in what felt like overnight, and it goes back to the like 10 years in the making. Like, I don't know that quote, like success story that happens overnight. It truly felt that way. We went from moving more times than I can count. Um, being super anxious about safety. And me being kept out of school, essentially, because am I schooling suffering because my mother couldn't afford to pay my school fees. And if you don't pay your school fees, teachers will send you home with a note to say, you need to pay. I found a letter when we were moving into like the last family house that we all sort of lived in that my grade one teacher was literally saying, Nicole can't come to school unless you pay 80 rand. 80 rand is like nothing right now, right? But the fact that a seven-year-old couldn't go and get her education because her parent couldn't afford Eighty bucks, guys. I remember thinking that was wicked and wild, but also looking at my mum with even more love and admiration for how she, as I said, sort of changed changed her, her life, right and 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 was able to provide for this kid that she had. And so um, I had a point. yeah, so 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 then you move and then you realize, shit, okay we've experienced a lot and we've experienced a lot of a lot of things and yeah I might have the same level of education and similar experiences now and I've seemed to level a playing field in terms of achievement in certain instances but We're not the same and and that didn't give me pride it gave me even more shame because like even though we shared the same address for school and, you know, all of those things, it just, it was like those five years were a constant reminder of what I wasn't and what we didn't have. So I walked around with a lot of like scarcity intrinsic scarcity and lack, um, that. I think manifested itself into even higher conscientiousness and diligence and, and an intrinsic feeling that, that, I can do the same like it doesn't matter where I'm from I, I can do the same thing I can achieve I can strive and then you realize oh I do have some limitations still even though we've moved out of certain areas like it wasn't the areas like certain mindsets just completely different conversation but to 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 bring us home I definitely think that it was the formative makeup of my sort of like defiance and the gravitational force for me to 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 become a like a benchmark of success for all of us and for all of us all of us just meant my family like I remember going to school and I'll close this with (laughs) this is the last sort of I remember story but I remember thinking like damn like these kids are coming to talk about like their family projects right and how they come from families of doctors and lawyers and folks who were so prolific and i don't come from a family of doctors and lawyers at the time and my family name wasn't in a publication and i actually remember thinking like i'm probably going to change that and like the naivety or ego i don't know of, of being young and, and ambitious I just remember being like there's no re- reason why i can't right and so I'm going to so I did but even that came with the complex as well so anyway so, so I would say my I didn't have a cushion padded sort of journey to believing in myself and becoming strong and and, and diligent and, and and highly conscientious and believing that the world was mine simply because the world was mine it was hardship and dissonance and trauma that essentially gave me the springboard to want to become something and someone and and prove to first them but then ultimately myself that I can dream too and I can supersede what I ever thought was or wasn't possible for myself (laughs) yeah I yeah, I, I hope i I didn't lose you with those personal stories, but it's the only way I can sort of contextualize the distinction, right? around the the narrative of of self-actualization and and how you just become and and nothing has been linear uh, about that journey. And so to 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 present it as such would not be um, would would do myself and and just uh, giving
1: in giving you the vision
0: and that if I shared a story, I was praised for my resilience and my neighborhood and scarcity and lack and poor, poor people narrative would overshadow this young kid who was just a little superstar, essentially, who just, you know, kept her head down and was like dreamed big and achieved without actually like knowing that she was achieving stuff. And I created this opportunity for herself, right? Because like, my mom wasn't the kind of parent who had the time to spend with me just do my homework. Like, <laughs> if there was a lesson to be learned, I would learn in class and try to teach myself the thing so that I can write the test the next day or in the month of exams. My mom had been working two or more jobs to put food on the table, right? So, so, so there's a bit of context there. And then, and then, so yeah, so, so, so then I quickly realized, oh, snap, the thing that I just done doesn't, it doesn't seem to matter. Like where I come from seems to matter because that sells, it gives you like a story to tell. And I've got a massive problem with the story of pro- poverty and lack. And and more so, I don't have a problem with where we come from. I've got a problem with, with scarcity and, and poverty in South Africa being a perpetuated narrative that sells and to keep us where we came from. Like that must be what we must remember and what keeps us humble and, and grateful, right? As opposed to my white counterpart, who if he gets the same award as I do, the same accolade, you don't hear John from Constantia, wins x that doesn't make sense it makes a lot of sense but it's not going to read and sell as Nicole from Bishop Lavis who overcame that's true why are our, if the achievement is the same why are our stories still still being sold that way decades have passed I mentioned this with distinction because I read a I think the premier would have made a post about a doctor who achieved this incredible accolade for the country, right? Like on a national level. And um, I just remember thinking I'd never heard a doctor being mentioned in the same sentence as their suburb before. Like, when did that happen? Or when did that not stop? Like, I'm agitated by it. I've got the same amount of agitation at 26 that I had at 18 and 19, when that first article came out, published in the best university graduate school on the continent. And my name was next to Poor and Bishop Lavis. The only reason why I mentioned where I'd come from was to give you the context that this didn't just happen, right? I, the same way I did that prior sort of like rundown, these experiences. I'm not sharing it for a pity party. I'm not looking for that. Right? I I don't associate myself with like, with, um, I'm not looking for an R or you're so strong. Like, it's not what I'm aiming for. And I was capable. And I accomplished something. And it goes far beyond me and what I'm capable of. And what I've accomplished It's for us, right? We I still see my one of my cousins who is like the academic of the family like so intellectually talented and he's super and he keeps on raising the bar right for all of us and and i watched i think it was like a whatsapp story and and he is a prime example of like what i fought against because i i caught myself in it where you're just so happy to be in the room you're just so happy for people to give you a chance and an opportunity where where people start wanting to to polish your potential and give opportunity to these little sweet resilient people who happen to be brown and from the northern suburbs and that becomes your story that becomes your makeup and you start believing it and and you don't see you didn't see anything outside of that, and he was basically just sharing that somebody was willing to fund his masters because of what a sweet boy he was, and and like you know his his prior accomplishments, which is wonderful. But it's just like the the way that he was talking about himself was as if like 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 as if he wasn't completely you know, worthy of a scholarship, whether that came from a fund, an association, or it came from the school, like he was worth it. So anyway, um, place poverty and purpose, right? Or like the bottom line of all of all of that is massively comp- complicated. So I, 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 I have to choose when I want to bring it in and when it doesn't matter. And luckily I've got the choice because I made it my decision to have the choice. I gave myself the capacity to make that my own decision because otherwise people start telling your story for you in a way that makes sense for them. And when we don't start advocating for ourselves, we just take what we get. And I'm not interested in just taking what I get. Like, yeah. (laughs) The other side of the story though, is that I've had Massive reservations around solely speaking about like those early childhood years and positioning it as like all of those hard things made me who I am and what I went on to do. It's partially true, but I started learning very quickly that my white counterparts were. Praised for their hard work and dedication. And that if I shared a story, I was praised for my resilience and my neighborhood and scarcity and lack and poor, poor people narrative would overshadow this young kid who was just a little superstar essentially who just you know kept her head down and was like dreamt big and achieved without actually like knowing that she was achieving stuff and i created this opportunity for herself right because like my mom wasn't the kind of parent who had the time to spend with me just do my homework like (laughs) If there was a lesson to be learned, I would learn in class and try to teach myself the things so that I can write the test the next day or in the month of exams. My mum had been working two or more jobs to put food on the table, right? So, so, so there's a bit of context there. And then, and then, so yeah, so, so, so then I quickly realized, oh, snap, the thing that I just done doesn't, it doesn't seem to matter, like Where I come from seems to matter because that sells, it gives you like a story to tell. And I've got a massive problem with the story of poverty and lack. And and more so, I don't have a problem with where we come from. I've got a problem with with scarcity and and poverty in South Africa being a perpetuated narrative that sells and to keep us where we came from. Like that must be what we must remember and what keeps us humble and, and grateful. Right, as opposed to my white counterpart, who if he gets the same award as I do, the same accolade, you don't hear John from Constantia wins X. That doesn't make sense. It makes a lot of sense, but it's not going to read and sell as Nicole from Bishop Levis who overcame. That's true. Why, are if the achievement is the same, why are our stories still, still being sold that way? Decades have passed. I mentioned this with distinction because I read, a, I think the premier would have made a post about a doctor who achieved this incredible accolade for the country, right? Like on a national level. And um, I just remember thinking I'd never heard a doctor being mentioned in the same sentence as the suburb before, like, "When did that happen?" Or, "When did that not stop?" Like, I'm agitated by it. I've got the same amount of agitation at 26 that I had at 18 and 19, when that first article came out, published in the best university graduate school on the continent, and my name was next to poor and Bishop levis The only reason why I mentioned where I'd come from was to give you the context that this didn't just happen, right? I, the same way I did that prior sort of like rundown, these experiences. I'm not sharing it for a pity party. I'm not looking for that, right? I, I don't associate myself with like, with um, I'm not looking for an R or you're so strong. Like, it's not what I'm aiming for. I was capable and I accomplished something and it goes far beyond me and what I'm capable of and what I've accomplished it's for us right we I still see my one of my cousins who is like the academic of the family like so intellectually talented and he's super and he keeps on raising the bar right for all of us and and I watched I think it was like a WhatsApp story. And, and he is a prime example of like, what I fought against because I, I caught myself in it where you're just so happy to be in the room. You're just so happy for people to to give you a chance and an opportunity where where people start wanting to to polish your potential and give opportunity to these little sweet resilient people who happen to be brown and from the northern suburbs and that becomes your story that becomes your makeup and you start believing it and, and you don't see you don't see anything outside of that and he was basically just sharing that somebody was willing to fund his masters because of what a sweet boy he was and like and like like as if he wasn't completely you know, worthy of a scholarship, whether that came from a fund an association or it came from the school, like he was worth it. So anyway, um, place poverty and purpose, right, or like the bottom line of all of all of that is massively comp- complicated. So I, 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 I have to choose when I want to bring it in. And when it doesn't matter. And luckily, I've got the choice. Because I made it my decision to have the choice. I gave myself the capacity to make that my own decision. Because otherwise people start telling your story for you in a way that makes sense for them. And when we don't start advocating for ourselves, we just take what we get. And I'm not interested in just taking what I get. Like, yeah. So because of all of what I've just shared with you and you've observed the 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 height of my voice and sometimes just the my energy around all of this it um it is a complicated and again non linear journey to try and become something when there's so when there's so much noise around who you are where you come from and in the same breath we're taught that. After the truth and reconciliation of South Africa, that the world is good and diversity and inclusion is happening, but your experiences aren't reflecting that. And you start living an integrative lifestyle where you do want. An equal footing, but the more you progress, the harder it is to swallow the pull that things don't just progress to make you feel comfortable, that with each level that you step into, you have to carve a, a place for yourself, and and you won't necessarily get to pull out a chair for you to sit at the quote-unquote table. Sometimes you must build that chair and create the table for yourself and bring others along. And I definitely, if anything, I hope the stories that I've shared with you, if it doesn't resonate, because I know so many of us, whether we've worked in corporate or innovation and we're existing in the startup space, right, where we're trying to contribute to the visions of others or visions that we share with folks that... Alongside doing that, we're also navigating this ever-changing cycle of identity and and a past life and and how present day is indicative of this perpetual perpetuating cycle and narrative of like poverty, place and scarcity. And even though our accomplishments supersede where we've come from, we're constantly um, left to remind ourselves that we have achieved and that 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 said narrative of of lack and scarcity doesn't make up the entirety of who we are.